Hi, church family. I am so excited that you're with us today online. And if you've just discovered us online, I'm so glad that you're connecting with us also. My name is Steve, and I'm part of the worship team here at Heritage. And I get excited when I get to play, when I get to sing for the Lord. One of my favorite scriptures, I want to share it with you. It says, praise him with the sound of trumpets. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the cymbals. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with dance. I love to worship. And I'm going to invite you into a time of worship now as we, as we sing, as we worship, as we praise our Lord. Why don't you join us and sing along with us and love the Lord through song. Jesus, I will believe for greater things. 
Hey friends, uh, it, it has been such a great time spending these last few moments worshiping with you. We, we've proclaimed the Lord's faithfulness, but, but we've also proclaimed our own need for stronger and more robust faith. And hopefully these moments together help us gather strength so that we can live with Christ-like love and represent him well in our homes, schools, and workplaces. You know, I was thinking this week about desperation and desires and how those two things have a significant effect on what I choose to focus on and, and sort of work towards. As a kid, I remember there were like certain toys like the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier or a video game like Mario or, or movies like Return of the Jedi. I just could not wait to experience and, and maybe interact with. And I'd go through seasons where I was so fixated on a certain thing. And, and whatever it happened to be, usually I would spend a lot of time just fixating and thinking about those things, which is why I think we often see the scriptures use language around longing and desire because our longings tend to define our focus. In fact, listen to how the beginning of Psalm 84 sounds. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint, with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. It, it reminds me of a, a really great prayer that was written by A.W. Tozer, found in his book, The Pursuit of God. Now, some of the language has been adapted a little bit, but I wanna encourage you to listen to the language of longing and desire that Tozer uses. It might even seem a bit strange to you if you've never used this type of language with God before. But I would just encourage you to allow these words to frame your own prayers and allow God to sort of plant a seed of longing in your heart for your desperation for Him to grow, desperation to know more of Him, and the desperation to be known by Him. So allow me to pray this beautiful prayer over us. Oh God, I have tasted your goodness and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need of further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, I want to want you. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me your glory, I pray to you, so I may know you indeed. In your mercy, begin a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. And then give me grace to rise and follow you from this misty lowland where I have wandered so long. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's over. It's never over.
Well, I guess I'm supposed to welcome you to the danger zone. How many of you are insanely jealous of our team and, uh, and the things that they can do? They're awesome. I, I love our team. I love that I get to be a part of conversations like this one where we take, you know, really a, a series of serious conversations but have some fun with them as we unpack God's Word together. As Pastor Steve mentioned, we're stepping into a new series called At the Movies, and the reality is movies have changed, right? Instead of always having to go to the movies, they are coming to us and how we choose to interact with those, the movies that we watch, the stories that we tell, they all share a a little bit about us. It's kind of a, a window into who we are and how we view the world. This week, as we mentioned, we're looking at action and adventure. And uh, I think, you know, action and adventure movies for me fall into one of two categories. One is one that you can watch and enjoy with absolutely no thought process at all, right? There are plot holes so large you could fly some of those jets through them, and it's just there to be enjoyed. But then there are other action and adventure movies. That, that get your blood pumping, that kind of get you connecting with the main character of the story, because there's something for us, there's something about watching this ordinary person, usually, up against all odds, working to risk everything for the sake of something greater than themselves. I think the, the more I interact with stuff like action and adventure, the more I'm aware of my own heart's desire to be part of an adventurous life. Life, to live into something that is greater than the, than the story I might tell on my own. I think we all resonate with that. I think from time to time, each and every one of us have these moments where, you know, it's in the still quiet moments of the night as we're drifting off into, into sleep, this quickening of our heart that says there's got to be something more. There's got to be stuff that matters. And I think action and adventure movies, they kind of, they kind of salve that for us a little bit. Some of us, were so looking for, for the, the life that matters of adventure and purpose and meaning that we'll go and create moments of adventure in all kinds of other spaces and ways just to feel the, the thrill of action. My dad is one of those people. And he, when he would spend time with us, which was rare, but when he would spend time with us, he would often take us to some space of action and adventure. And so on one particular trip, when I was just a young teenager, he gathered my brother, sister, and I, his fiance, my aunt, and my Thea, and uh, her kids, and we all went to the Dragoon Mountains in southeastern Arizona, which is probably a space you've never heard of. But what they are, are these boulders and outcroppings of rock that people go mountain climbing or rock climbing on all the time. And my dad was a, a rescue and recovery climber. So he would like to go and kind of keep his skills uh, up to date and thought it would be great fun to invite all of his family to come and go, go climbing with him. Now, the thing is that all of my cousins, my, my Thea and her family, my dad and his fiance, they all had, had hours and hours of experience doing this. My brother, sister, and I, we had never been rock climbing before at all. And so I remember getting to the space that they had kind of preset for the space for us to go climbing and getting into a harness and getting all excited about what this was going to be. And my dad immediately said, stop. No, no, <laughs> this isn't for you yet. You and your siblings, you're going over there to what I would call the kiddie pool of rock climbing, okay? It was, it, 
was embarrassing. It was humiliating. It was like just a little tiny rock in the desert floor. But he said, you know, you gotta, you've got to get used to some, some handholds and stuff like that. So I'll come over there and I'll, I'll tell you what to do in a little bit. And my brother and sister and I went over there embarrassed and frustrated because we wanted to be part of the action over here. And he took longer than we thought he should have. And so eventually I saw another outcropping like, like over there. And I grabbed my brother and sister, and I said, let's go, let's go show that we don't need to do this thing over here. We're ready for it, okay? And we, we worked hard to, I mean, I remember just sweat dripping down, being all scraped and scratched up as I finally got about six inches off the desert floor, you know, just like getting that. And then finally, like, I felt like, yes, I'm getting some traction, and I'm telling my brother and sister, this is what you ought to do, because as the oldest, I'm the expert, even though I'd never done this before. Younger children in the room, you know how that works, right? Your older sibling is always the expert. I said, so this is what we're going to do. And I remember reaching up into a kind of a next handhold. Remember, this is in the desert in the southeastern part of Arizona. And something wriggled under my hand, okay? If it wriggles in the desert, it's bad. <laughs> There's nothing that slithers that's good in the desert. And, uh, and so I kind of like, I let go and I fell back hard on my butt and, and you know, kind of saw stars. And at that point, my sister decided she was done with this. And she just disappeared. I don't know where she went. She was done. My brother made sure I was fine and then went back to where my dad was to see if he could, if he could learn to, to climb there. I have to tell you, I did not feel that day like I had been part of a great action-adventure space, right? It was like a comedy of errors more than anything. Now, we're going to come back to that in a little bit. But I think for us, we all have these spaces and places where we want to be part of action and adventure, of something that matters, something where it feels like everything's on the line, but it could change everything for us. The reason we resonate so much with action and adventure stories is because that's part of the story I believe we are to live. And God has wired us to resonate with that. So here's the question. If we're wired that way, if we're made for that, how come it can seem so distant from us? How come a life of purpose and adventure and meaning, going to bed at the end of the day knowing we were spent in the very best way possible to wake up and do it all again, how can that seem just out of reach so much of the time? There's actually a passage in Scripture. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10 for most of our time together. And there's this passage in Scripture where Jesus has been doing incredible ministry. And there's this question posed to him that is basically, in a sense, how do I live the life of purpose and adventure and meaning that I'm made for? We pick it up in Mark chapter 10 verse 17. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, I think the way we would say it today is, what must I do to live the life I'm made for? What must I do to connect in that space of purpose and adventure and meaning? Because every time Jesus talked about eternal life, he wasn't talking about simply going to heaven after we die. He was talking about experiencing fullness of life here and now. So what do I have to do? How do I do that? And Jesus answers, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He's kind of indicating something about his own identity here. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, the man declared, 
All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. In the scriptures, this same story is told three times in the book of Matthew, in the, Mark, in the book of Mark, and in the book of Luke. Each time, this man, in, called the rich young ruler in other texts, this man runs up to Jesus and asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He looks eternal life in the ever-living face and ends up walking away sad. He ends up looking in the face the very answer to the question that he has and somehow ends up walking away sad because he trusts more in the stuff he has built than in the invitation of Jesus before him. This happens time after time after time. And part of the reason I think this is included, not once, not twice, but three times, is not so that we walk away going, well, that's weird. You know, that's, why would that be there? I think it's included because of this kind of central truth that we're going to spend our time interacting with today. Is when it comes to the things of adventure, of life, of purpose and meaning, the stuff of Jesus in his kingdom, we don't have to walk away sad. We don't have to walk away sad. The reason this scripture, this story is included is not because the man's story needs to be our story, but because you and I are invited to take a different path. We're invited to interact in a way where we actually step into the gift of eternal life that Jesus offers, where we actually receive the purpose and action and adventure that we're meant for, that we do at the end of the day feel like, man, I have been spent in the very best way possible. I'm convinced that you and I don't have to go another day, another moment without experiencing and knowing what that means to find joy and fulfillment and adventure in the life that we lived. We don't have to walk away sad. Now, the key to understanding how we get there is actually in the, in the passage of scripture just before this. Because as I said, this passage is included three times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And every time it's told, not just once or twice, but every time it's told, it comes on the heels of another moment in the life of Jesus. It's actually set up to walk in parallel, to see the contrast of these two moments. So there's the rich young ruler who falls before Jesus. The rich young ruler who even the disciples, as they see him coming, think, now here's a guy who has it all figured out. Here's the guy who, if anybody's going to find purpose and adventure and meaning, the kingdom of Jesus, it is this guy, because he is powerful, he is young, he is wealthy, he's got it. He just needs to, like, unlock a little piece. He's, he's not far, is what the disciples think, even just a moment later. Now, it comes on the heels of a space where Jesus is teaching, and these parents start bringing their little kids up to Jesus. They start bringing their children before Jesus so that he can bless them and teach them as well. And the disciples know what you and I may not know about life in this, seer, in this season of life in the scriptures. That children in that day and age were, were seen as almost worthless parts of society. That they could offer nothing. 
They, they were simply resource consumers. They weren't contributors. They could inherit no land. They could speak not for their parents. They were actually often literally tossed in the trash heap if their parent stopped being able to provide for them. There, there, were, there was no value given to children, especially the kind of little children that the scripture is speaking of here. Now, for some of us, that might shock our sensibilities, but for the, the listeners of scripture in Jesus' day, they knew that these kids, they're not going to contribute anything. So, the disciples go in and they stop the parents from being, bringing their kids because Jesus has more important things to do. All right? This is what's happening right before the rich young man, the rich young ruler approaches Jesus. But then we pick up the story a little bit before. It says, when Jesus saw this, the disciples pushing away the kids and the parents, he was indignant. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. This is the one time in the book of Mark. It's the one time that we see Jesus get angry. Like that we see Jesus described as indignant. Yep, there's a space and place where he flips tables in the temple. Yep, there's a space and place where he corrects the religious leaders who are putting too heavy a burden on people. But it's this one time that Jesus is expressed as being indignant. And it's when, when it comes to these children. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these these children who have no standing are the very same ones that Jesus says are the ones who actually will inherit his kingdom. He says, the kingdom of heaven actually belongs to such as these. And if you want to receive my kingdom, you have to enter into it like one of these. It's two very different pictures. One of somebody we would say has nothing to offer and one of somebody who has everything to offer. And the script gets flipped for us. And I think it speaks directly to how you and I can actually step in, no matter the stage of life that we're in, no matter what our story has been up until this point, that we can step in to the life of adventure and purpose and meaning that God has for us. Jesus gave the rich young ruler a call to adventure. Jesus actually created space for the children to enter into his kingdom. And what we see in those two pictures is that Jesus' call to adventure moves us from first focusing on what we're owed to what we surrender. You see, the call of adventure in Jesus shifts our heart, our mind, our thinking, and our view to moving from what we're owed to what we surrender there's a sense, if you read the scripture here, that the rich young ruler, actually, though he comes in a, in a posture of humility, has a sense of expectation. One, he interrupts whatever it is Jesus is doing to have this conversation. Two, he is fully expectant that Jesus is just is going to do the thing that he's asking for, which isn't a bad thing. But it seems to me, as we unpack the story, that there's there's actually a sense of maybe what this man is owed. And instead, Jesus invites him to move from what he thinks he's owed to what he can surrender. And I think that's the case for you and for me. The children that were being interacted with with Jesus just the moment before, everyone would say they had nothing to offer, but Jesus wanted them to gain everything. Jesus looked at the rich young ruler who approached him, and he loved him. 
and made an invitation for him. The invitation was to surrender a part of his life. In fact, in another translation of this same passage, Jesus says it's difficult for those who put their trust in riches. It wasn't, it wasn't that the man was wealthy that was his problem. It was where he placed his trust and, and expectancy and expectation. And so here we see this interaction where we start, if we peel back the layers, to understand that Jesus' call to adventure moves us from seeking comfort to embracing risk. Or, I'm sorry, from, from focusing on what we're owed to what we surrender. And then it shifts us to seeking from seeking comfort to embracing risk. So the rich young ruler moves from what he expects to what he surrenders. This is what the invitation is. And we also see that he's in being invited in that same space to leave his comfort behind for risk. If he trusts in his wealth primarily, then he has great comfort if nothing changes for him. But if he's invited instead to step away from the thing that he trusts most so that he can experience something greater from Jesus, well, then everything can change for him. I think there are times for you and for me when we approach God as though he owes us something. And then when, we're, when we don't receive that thing that we feel we're owed because we've done the right thing, said the right thing, been obedient in the right ways, whatever it may be, that then we kind of retreat into comfort. We retreat into the spaces that are known and comfortable. But here's the thing with action and adventure, that comfort and action can't coexist. They, they don't live together. If you step into a space of adventure, you are inherently, by definition, leaving the space of comfort. And so some of us, what happens is we try to find counterfeit spaces of adventure because our hearts long for it. We're made for it. We want to know we're living in a space that matters, contributing something far beyond ourselves. But because it requires us to shift from what we're owed to what we surrender and from the space of comfort to risk, we might find a, a sweet substitute for it instead of actually receiving what Jesus is inviting us into. Jesus interacted with this rich young ruler who wanted the comfort of eternal life without the risk of kingdom living. That's what came down to in a nutshell. You see, Jesus invites us to shift our mind, our heart, from the space of comfort to risk. What do you think would have happened? What do you think would have happened if this rich young ruler had said, okay, <laughs> I'll try it. Let's see what happens. What do you think would have happened? Do you think that the story would be that Jesus left him high and dry? That he actually lost everything of value in his life and made shipwreck of the things that he was doing? That it was the worst decision he ever made? I don't think that's the story that would have been written. I, I, in fact, I know it's not. I think the rich young ruler, we would have seen a story where he somehow started to inherit something far greater than he ever knew possible. Something far beyond his, his great dreams for his own life of what action and adventure can be. I believe God would have been proven faithful, that he would have received more than, than he desired. In fact, Jesus actually speaks to that. He says that his kingdom is a lot like somebody who finds a treasure 
and then buries it in a field and then goes and sells everything they have just to be able to purchase that little plot of land with the treasure in it. Because the kingdom that Jesus offers is like that treasure that's far beyond the value of anything else we can quantify. It's, it's so worth it. You would sell everything you have just to have it because you know it's true value. And you'd actually walk away ahead in the end. He uses other stories of that same nature, and it comes in with risk. That you and I are invited to leave the space of what is comfortable for, and choose faithful risk. So I wonder what embracing risk would look like for you and for me, even in a season like this one, even when we're, we're reeling from the memories of 9-11, and we're reflecting this weekend on, on what that tragic day meant 20 years ago and still means today. What would it look like to embrace risk and care for one another, even as we're walking through a season of transition as Heritage Church and seeking God's best now and next? What would it look like in your family life for you to choose the space of risk together rather than chasing after what is comfortable alone? Here's the truth, friends. We don't have to walk away sad. We don't have to. We're actually invited to live into adventure as we move from what we're owed to what we surrender, from where there's comfort to what is risky, and then as we move from cold observance to passionate pursuit. This is part of what was happening in the story of the rich young ruler. You see, Jesus said, hey, you know what it means to start chasing after the things of God, don't you? you and he lists a series of commandments from the Old Testament, and the rich young ruler says, all of these, each of them, I've kept them since I was a boy. And then Jesus says, okay, then do this next thing and come chase after me. Come follow me. Watch what happens. And I think part of the rich young ruler, this young man's challenge, was that he didn't know how to move from cold observance to passionate pursuit. I think that for some of us, it's easy to think, God unlocking adventure in our lives is all about checking the right boxes. Or even God answering our deepest prayers and needs is about the, the right boxes being checked in our relationship with him. If we pray the right prayers, if we read the right scriptures at the right time, if we sing the right songs, and even serve in the right ways, if we check box one, two, three, and four, then we're guaranteed an outcome. But that's not how this works. Because it's not about cold observance. It's, it's not about doing the right things for the sake of saying we've done them. It's actually about what does it look like to pursue the person of Jesus, his life, his way of breathing through us. As we seek him, he leads us into adventure. This is, this is where so many of us get frustrated and offended because we think we, that God, again, he maybe owes us something, that we've checked the right boxes. We've made our, our interaction with Jesus all about cold checking the box at church. And that is, that's not the life of adventure and purpose and meaning that we're meant for. Sometimes the, the checking the boxes and the cold observance for us is really more about being afraid of doing the wrong thing instead of chasing after the best things. And so we, we kind of limit ourselves into these cold spaces when Jesus, his beating heart for us is to experience life and purpose as we've never known it before. 
The invitation from Jesus to the rich young man wasn't something that was cruel. No, it was an invitation to surrender. It was an invitation to sacred risk. It was an invitation for passionate pursuit of Jesus, knowing he was everything the man was looking for. And so I know for some of us, we can't say today, I I want to passionately pursue Jesus. One, we we may not fully be aware of what that means, or we just know with integrity that's not true. So I would challenge you with this. I think if your prayer could simply be, God, I want to want to passionately pursue you. I want to want that. I don't want it yet, but I want to want it. Will you allow that to be something that's true for me? That is a prayer that he will answer. We don't have to walk away sad, friends. Now, some of us, as I said, we're so desperate for action and adventure that we, we end up bringing action with us wherever we go. And that's actually a symptom of, of it being missing in our own hearts and lives, is when we bring action, or maybe I would say drama, with us wherever we go. We gotta, we gotta stir things up in order to make things thrilling. That's a symptom that maybe we haven't stepped into the adventurous life that God actually has for us. So we find invitation to, to bring other people into the drama of our lives and, and to get our own anxieties projected on others. And like if we're going to be in a problem, everybody else needs to be in a problem because that's how the closest that we can get to adventure and action together. I want to read this passage of scripture to you. It says, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do and don't live in dread of what frightens them. For those of us who cultivate drama wherever we go, I think these words are for you and for me, that we don't need the false adventure of conspiracy. We don't need the thrill of anxiety or of dread. We simply need to receive the true call to adventure. We are to be people of truth. We are to be people of love who live out of that for the sake of something greater. We don't have to walk away sad. And so here's my question for you. Where are you tempted to walk away sad today? Where are you tempted to walk away sad, to to miss the opportunity for true adventure and, and walk away experiencing something less than what God has for you? The disciples actually address this later on in the story. One of them says to Jesus after the rich young ruler walks away, he says, Jesus, don't you know we've left everything to follow you? And here's what Jesus responds in Mark chapter 10. He says, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Many who are first will be last and the last first. Jesus is giving a survey of the things I think that he's saying, listen, these are the good things I've given that can actually cause you to walk away sad if they're not laid down in submission to me. These are spaces for you where you can surrender, where you can risk, where you can pursue with confidence. So I'm asking you, where are you tempted to walk away sad? And there, there you may just receive the gift that he has for you. Don't walk away sad. Don't live another day distant from the adventure and the purpose and the meaning that you were meant for. 
Receive the gift that Jesus offers of his life by asking him to be the one who forgives and leads you, who is trustworthy with all of that and more that we just listed. And find what adventure looks like as he leads you forward. Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Spirit, Jesus, I thank you that, that we don't have to walk away sad, that the invitation you give us to adventure, to purpose, to meaning, Lord, that it's, it's true and good and right, even now, right here. I pray for my friends, Lord, that you would reveal to us the spaces where, God, we long for adventure, and we've been disappointed, and there you want to meet us and breathe life into us and move us toward what is true and right and good. Lead us even now, we pray. Lead us in the space of action and adventure for the sake of something greater than ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
heritage thanks for worshiping with us today i'm so thankful for this platform and this opportunity that we have each and every week to connect with god each other and our purpose virtually now i love that song we just sang about about god's love really for me it's just a great reminder of how vast god's love is for me and those around me and how now i'm called to take that love and bring it to every sphere that god places in my path now if you're joining today and and any questions came to mind, or maybe you just realized that you really need prayer with someone. 
Or maybe you want to talk with a pastor. You can actually go to heritagequc.com or call our church office and they can connect you with our prayer with our pastor line. And we would love to connect with you and journey with you in what you're going through. You know, I, I love that we are so invested as a church in these quad cities and, and meeting some real tangible needs of those who are in need. Um, one of the ways that we are able to do that is because of your faithfulness and your generosity um, through giving financially and giving of your time in prayer and discernment with us. If you'd like to give to help with those things, go to heritageqc.com give. Another way that, that we connect as a church that I am so proud of is giving of our time. You know, as Christ followers, we are called to give of ourselves in many ways. One of the ways that you and your family can do that in this season is, is on Saturday, September 25th with our mobile food pantry. It's going to be an awesome time of serving those in need who have, who have tangible needs that need to be met. And you get to be a part of that. You can just go to heritageqc.com to register your church center app. Or you can even call our church office line and we can get you connected in that way. Again, it was an awesome time worshiping with you. And we'll see you all again next week.